All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Backlash Podcast. I'm Jeff with Team Rhino Outdoors. If you want more information about Team Rhino Outdoors, check out our website, teamrhinooutdoors.com. My co-host tonight is Brad Hoppy with Muskie Mayhem Tackle. You can find out more about Muskie Mayhem Tackle by visiting muskiemayhemtackle.com. And our special guest tonight is Kevin Goldberg. How are you doing tonight, Kevin? I'm doing good, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for taking some time and coming out with us tonight. Yeah, you're welcome. This should be a good one. Um, <laughs> it's been a while since Kevin and I shared the boat together, but it brings a ton of knowledge and a bunch of experience. So. Yeah, Kevin definitely, uh, he's fished here and there and pretty much everywhere. Right, Brad? Kevin? Yeah, I mean, pretty much for me, it's been, uh, I've been at it pretty hard now for the last, all oh, about 22 years. Um, but one thing that I seem to do a little more than some of my buddies is I just, I just happen to bounce around a lot of different places. I mean, I primarily am always out East, you know, I live in Ohio, I fish Ohio and Pennsylvania, but then I have a, uh, a camper out at Chautauqua Lake, New York. Uh, but then I always try to make somewhere between five to seven trips a year. I would say in Canada, I do some Northwest Ontario and then I go up you know, east as well, Georgian Bay, St. Lawrence, things like that. So, but I usually do, I don't guide or anything, but I've, I usually do about, uh, my wife keeps track sometimes. I think she tries to hold over me just a little bit, but I typically do around, around a hundred days on the water, roughly, you know, was still running a window business, but I get my time out there for sure. But, you know, out east, it seems like there's a lot of, we got good numbers, but our, our size sometimes is, little harder to come across big ones from seems like when i travel but you know it's not real uncommon for me in a year to get you know somewhere around like in the 200 range a year you know so there's definitely a lot of fish out here so when you're uh spending most of your time out there what what are you kind of doing kevin how are you fishing them um it seems like for us once once we get to the like our summer and after the spawn and everything stabilizes um we have a couple of different bites that go on. Like I'll start summer and go into fall a little bit, but like for our summers, uh, we got two things around home in Ohio. Uh, once the water temp warms up a bit and gets in that like 72 degree range, once it gets there, the fish start moving off. I mean, you can still catch them on the weed edges, but a lot of the fish start staging and we catch them out in like anywhere between 12 to about 18 foot down in our and this is in our reservoirs uh, in ohio so the shad they're just following the schools of shad and obviously they suspend out there's some open water humps and stuff that we're trolling around but primarily we're just open water fishing you know we'll use the big boards sometimes and then we just run like a spread if we're running four rods it's it's two lines a piece in ohio uh, sometimes we'll put two on boards and just two on like a regular side rod, like a 10 foot long side rod. And we just primarily troll the main basin and we're just looking, we're trolling for suspended fish uh, in the summer. But one thing about uh, out east in Ohio, a lot of it, you know, we have a lot of, with all the shad, like all the gizzard shad population, I find like our, the lure choices seem smaller than I would say you guys probably are used to using out there. I mean, you could use four, four to four and a half inch baits in Ohio pretty much all year. I mean, they will hit big baits as well, but it just seems like you can never go wrong with that shad imitating four and a half, you know, five inch bait. 
and we also troll fast too like i feel like when i've been out west or even when i've been in minnesota and i've been to wisconsin some as well uh but usually i was trolling slower than i'm used to at home uh like out east here we kind of once the water gets you know above 55 degrees we don't rarely go under like three eight it's usually like three eight to four two for that early summer and then we get up to the you know four five four seven four eight like we do a lot of trolling fast like that and then some even five miles an hour and over and that's pretty standard you'll find a lot of guys out here do that and that holds right through all the way through summer and even into early fall we stick with that faster trolling speed about the only time we really troll slower out here is when it's really hot like the hot dog days of summer a lot of guys out here night troll which i do a fair bit of that myself um and when we're night trolling we're just looking for the we're basically trolling the thermocline and we put our baits just in and occasionally you know what a couple right above the thermocline but that our night trolling out here we're that's the only time we're going slower that's like a two five to about three mile an hour troll and that's truthfully the only time i really see people going that slow out here and the only other time is again late in the fall which i'll get to that in a little bit as well um but yeah our summer bite is pretty much fast trolling small shad cranks and then we do use some bigger stuff as well like nine ten inch minnow baits a little bit for night fishing and uh and then of course some like eight and ten inch deep divers when they're suspended out in the open water it's, it's always amazed me that uh it, it seems like small baits are kind of the ticket whether you're in kentucky even st Clair, not about smaller baits too kevin and i know you spent some time there as well yes yeah i used to go uh every year that was my summer trip i used to go like the end of june beginning of july oh i did that for a good a good 12 years anyways and uh we would just go and we would basically you know you'd troll those contour lines and uh we'd just run up and down from the ruscombe uh bell river area some days and then the other days we'd go from the ruscombe down towards like stony point in the thames which anyone that fishes st Clair like knows those areas but they're just main points as you're going down those contour lines and we used to just go out there and uh, run the big planer board mast and uh, us from what we're used to i know a lot of people are doing different now but we used to always just troll five mile an hour we went no less than four eight but we would troll like four eight to five two just troll like a bunch of like jointed little wileys and stuff like that on the planer boards and then we'd run like shad baits like boss shads and tough shads and stuff on the uh, boat rods and that was a really good pattern for us for a lot of years i'm sure it would still work but it's just been a long time now since i've done that you know are, are you still spending time out there in st Clair, or is that something that you've kind of slowed down on yeah, the only time I go there now is in like December. I go in the late fall, and uh, our numbers go down, but the fish are about the nicest they are, you know, of the year, it seems. You know, they're really built nice, and it's fun to catch them on big baits, and uh, then we're trolling slower, you know. So that's like a oh, three, five to three, seven-ish kind of troll speed-wise, and we're running, you know, the big headlock, matlock, you know some homemade 10 12 inch minnow baits that we make and like the grandmas and stuff like that 
Ziggy's. Like, that's a fun bite for us. So since we started doing that, it seems like me and my friends, that's what we do now is go up in December and just do the late troll. So, yeah, your numbers do go down. You might get, you know, instead of the some of the crazy days in the summer, sometimes, you know, you're fishing hard for five to seven bites, but they're all quality fish, it seems, that time. No, there's nothing wrong with that, that's for sure. What kind of water, like, you, you know, you're from Ohio. How big are the bodies of water that you're fishing there, Kevin? Uh, most of our lakes out here in Ohio, they range from, I'm going to say, 1,000 acres to about 35 to 3,800 acres. Uh, like my home lake, West Branch, is about 15 minutes from my house. And it's a really good musky lake. It's come on really strong lately. It seems like the stockings gone really well and that's pretty much a gem in ohio and it's right around 3500 acres you know and that's pretty common there's you know a couple other ones milton lake milton and leesville lake those are like that 1200 range and then you know you get to piedmont or salt fork and they're in that 25 to 3500 range you know we don't really have any truly big musky lakes in ohio we really don't uh our, our biggest musky lake which shared reservoir is uh pima tuning and that's shared the ohio pennsylvania border you know so you could fish that body of water with either license and it's about fifteen thousand acres like that's the biggest reservoir that we have okay how, how, how much fishing pressure is there kevin that'd be something interesting too i mean limited water smaller bodies of water i'm just curious you know I, are you playing bumper boat out there or yeah, like I have to say, our lakes do, the pressure is like, you know, the, the popular other sports grown so much that, uh, you know, our lakes do get a fair amount of pressure. They really do. Uh, sometimes, like, especially, it's not as bad if you're trolling, but like if you go out to cast sometimes, you know, you'll pull all the way around to your spot and get there and someone's there and you might go to the second spot and someone's there. I mean, that's pretty common trolling wise it's not too bad i mean everyone there's a lot of trollers out here and and uh everyone pretty much gives the lane and and there's enough spots to fish in the reservoirs i mean you can kind of you could find your spot somewhere i mean the lakes are pretty good all around they're they're primarily fairly shallow lakes you know and then if you go out in the main basin you don't have too much to worry about you know it's kind of wide open out there and there's a lot of room but our pressure is bad i mean the, the lakes are getting hit a lot harder now uh like if you go out on a weekend on any of the ones that don't have a horsepower restriction like luckily a few of our lakes that are really good have a nine nine horsepower limit so that helps but if you go out on some of the bigger lakes where the pleasure boaters can go out on a weekend, it, I mean, I can't lie, it can be pretty frustrating at times. There's a lot of boats and a lot of boat traffic. So I do try to go out during the week a day or two if I can. It's a lot nicer, especially on those lakes. But all in all, our, our lakes are getting hit fairly hard, but there's always somewhere to go. And, and they do give up a lot of fish. Like the, the numbers are good. It seems like if you put in a good day in Ohio, it's not real uncommon to get like, you know, three fish or anything. And, you know, we have some 10 fish days and stuff, so they're good lakes, and there's a lot of nice, healthy fish in them, but it's more of a average size, like 35 to probably low 40-inch range, and if you get some mid-40s, that's a pretty nice fish in Ohio, you know. Anytime I get something 
46 or over in Ohio, it's a pretty big deal. You know, it's all relative to where you're fishing, but that's a pretty nice fish in Ohio. You know, high 40s are, you're definitely getting excited when you get up in that zone, you know. For sure. Well, that's good stuff. So, Kevin, can we circle back to speed for a little while? One thing I noticed is, or picked up when you're talking is, so you said in the fall you'd slow down to 3.7 miles an hour or somewhere in that ballpark. It's funny because in for me in Wisconsin, like 3.7 would be probably actually borderline on the high side for me speed wise. Do you think do you think anglers in say the Midwest are missing out by not trolling faster? Uh, you know, it's one of those things that everywhere I've done it, it has worked. Um, you know, I, I've every time I've tried it, I've seen it work. And and like I remember one time I had a, it's kind of a funny story, but I was out with Billy Beekner and uh, we were fishing in Wisconsin. And I remember we were going to go in to grab something to eat. And uh, I said, I was driving and I said, yeah, I'm going to, I'll just speed us up a little bit. He's like, yeah, okay. And I just took that pro troll and turned up the dial all the way. And I remember his eyes got kind of big for a second. And then uh, oh, we come across a point and he got a real nice 47 incher. And we were going about just about, it was almost five miles an hour in his ranger. And I remember him saying, wow, I can't believe that happened. I said, oh, and it'll happen again, you know, if we do it. He's like, you think? I'm like, oh, yeah, no, it'll happen again. You just, you know, it's one of those things you just got to get that confidence in. And uh, I think it was the next day we were going to head in to get something to eat. And I said, well, let's just try it. So he just turned the dial all the way to five again, and we didn't go 10 minutes and got another fish. So I definitely think, yes, it's something worth trying out there because a lot of the guys out here do troll fast, and it's just kind of one of those things that we're used to doing, and a lot of people do. Now, even though like ours are shad-based lakes, when I'm fishing Chautauqua, where my camper is, there's no shad. There. I mean, that's all perch, walleye, sucker. There's some golden shiners. But I would assume a little more along the lines of some of like the lakes out your way as far as the forage. And, and here, it's, you know, a lot of the guys I know out here troll fast. And it's a natural lake as well, so not a reservoir. I'm sure then, as much as we catch them fast here, I'm sure it would work out there, you know. Well, like I said, yeah, it's just one of those things that I don't particularly do a lot of it. If I hit four, I'm probably I'm probably like Billy, you know. I'm a, I'm gonna stay in that three to four range. Yeah. And throughout the course of a season, I'm never gonna hit five. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes think to myself, Am I missing out? And I've, you know, it's one of those things like you were talking about confidence and you get in your comfort zone a little bit. I know I can catch them from three to four. Yep. And I haven't, I haven't ever done it at five. So like if I dial it up to four and a half, I only stay there for twenty minutes, and I'm like, I gotta slow back down, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I, I I personally think to myself, I'm missing out on opportunities by not doing it. But it's a confidence thing that I've never done it. So you know, you got to get outside the zone once in a while. Yeah, that's for sure. And you know, and it's funny. Like I say the same thing with like bait size and just along with speed. Sometimes I'll put out like a big bait here and I'll go 20 minutes and I'm like, ah, and of course, especially if a little bait goes, I'm like, it starts weighing on my mind. I'm like, I got to get another little bait out there. But a lot of times when I leave it go and just kind of let things go, next thing you know, you know, I'll catch one on that, you know, just like we're probably a little guilty out east of not going slow enough. I like, I mean, I've done it out. I've done it around home and caught fish doing it. But it's just one of those things that you get in those habits, and that's just what you do. But it's like if I come out here tomorrow and set up the troll and start going around 3-5, 
it'll just kill me to not push that throttle down, you know, because I'm just used to doing it. So sometimes you just got to like put the, like go out with like an open mind and like start over again. And it's a good way to learn new patterns on like a, a lake that you fished all your life or just a plate, you know, lakes that you're used to fishing, um, you know, because it definitely, it definitely can work. You know, I always tell people when they talk about speed, I'm like, well, I'm sure if you cast, and then anyone that casts will say this. They've all had that fish that followed in. And when you go in the turn, I mean, when they're hot, you can't even possibly move it away fast enough for them when they want it. They eat it, you know. And, and I think that happens with us with the speed trolling. If one locks on and sees it, you know, you spin the wheel and, and you know, you're going about five miles an hour. I think it's a reaction strike a lot of time, you know. S similar to what would be on like a figure eight when a fish is hot and you're going fast. So... Yeah, I certainly would agree. We've mm -hmm. talked about that a lot, you know, and it's one of the things that uh, I definitely feel, you know, speed of retrieval is such an important thing. Well, it can definitely be shared in the uh, in the trolling aspect as well. There's no doubt. So, yes, it's good stuff. I, I, well, I, need, I need to experiment more with it, too. That's what I was going to ask. You know, typically for you, do you get up in that five mile an hour range much or not? Uh, not in the five mile. Um, I'm usually three and a half, four and a half in the fall, but as it gets colder, of course, I'm going to slow down a little bit. But, you know, in my springs with the open water, it's it's basically three, two. I mean, that has been the go-to speed for me forever. When you first get in the open water stuff like that, Kevin, what, what are you doing for speeds? First, it's like usually for us, three, five, three, seven-ish, you know, early on. And, and then as soon as it starts where the weeds go like full bloom and everything just seems like, you know, they've stabilized and the whole spawns fully, fully healed at that time. Then is when we're not usually ever rarely going under like three, eight would be slow. Uh, and it's more like a lot of four to four, two, and then midsummer four, five, four, six, right up to about five miles an hour. And, and then just like, uh, like you guys were saying, you know, come fall, I still catch fish out here in New York fast in the fall, but a lot of times once it gets to like where it gets to like after turnover settles in and it's, you know, starts getting 55 degrees and dropping, um, I'll, I'll catch myself slowing down a bit. I'll run some like low fours and then, you know, it gets into fall. And then of course, then it's all different for me. Like I, I, I do a lot of slower trolling then, you know, but I push it real late season too. So that mainly the speed thing I was talking about is primarily from like for us out east would be like late May through September, you know, that that's the gist of about the time frame for that speed trolling, sure. you know. I um, think uh, you're definitely warmer than we are, generally speaking, because, you know, if we were to look at May, I mean, we, we don't start fishing here until the first Saturday in June. Um, Jeff Whitman being in Wisconsin is a little bit earlier than us a lot. Um, mm -hmm. So some of our water temps kind of are a little different than yours out east as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, for us, Brad, I would think our, our speed trolling time would take like July through probably September, I would right. imagine. Right. Maybe, you know, maybe mid-September, depending upon how things work out. That's that's where I would be. Yeah, that's what I would think as well, Jeff. You know, I. But then again, who's to say? You know what I mean? I think you're the ones that are going to tell you honestly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, 
Unfortunately, I'm never, I'm not, I'm not going to find out that easily because I'm going to have to, it's going to really push the limits on, on my comfort zone to get up to 4.5, 5 miles an hour consistently. But I think it is something that I definitely need to experiment with a little bit. You know, and there's a good speed to, I don't know why this is. It's something about the, like, I don't know what motor you use for your patrolling, but there's something about, like, the kicker motors. There's a speed that doesn't feel so bad, and it's a good speed to get accustomed to faster trolling, and it's 4.6. I don't know why. There's, like, three different sounds. Like, when you're at 5, you know, it's humming pretty good. Then you cut back a little bit and you, you'll watch the, it'll jump from four, seven, four, eight, you know, sometimes four, nine, but there's that four, six. And it finally, like once you're going five and it feels like you go down two clicks, that's a good speed to get used to trying fast rolling. And man, I've caught a lot of fish at that speed, you know, it's a, that's a really good speed to, to start as far as getting used to the faster trolling, you know, for some of the baits that would be out there, that are I, I'm sure I know I kind of know you and I know you know your background a little bit, and you, I'm sure you're you're running some I would say not oddball stuff but like more basement bait type stuff but like of the more readily available baits are there ba- are there certain baits that are better for the you know four to five mile an hour speed trolling for guys because the majority of our listeners are in the Midwest between Illinois Wisconsin and Minnesota. So those guys, I'm just trying to give them a new perspective. Um, the Illinois guys, I think, play with speed trolling more than the other two. But us Wisconsin guys and Minnesota guys are a little behind the curve on that. I think we're a little behind the curve on trolling all in general. Uh-huh. But is there some baits that you can give those guys as like good starter baits for if they're looking to go four, four miles an hour to five miles an hour? Sure, yeah, because that's a lot of it. I mean, you're right. A lot of bait, you know, that speed's all in relation to the bait you're running too, you know. And for, for speed trolling, like baits that work well at those speeds, if I would say starting in that like, I'm not going to go down any smaller than like, say a four and a half inch, you know, but, but in that four to five inch kind of range, shad baits, boss shads, uh, scubas, like five inch scubas, bakers, five inch bakers, and like tough shads, uh, the plastic tough shads, those, those four baits are, I mean, that's like staple. Everybody out here, they all have some selection of the ones I just mentioned, you know, and it's not saying that other ones aren't good as well, but those are just the ones I'm most familiar with use on a daily basis. You know, those baits perform really well at those speeds and that's for that size. And then of course, you know, if the guys are like, well, I don't really like to run small stuff. Well, they're bigger baits too, that are also good for speed. Um, like 10 inch jakes, you know, I've caught plenty of fish on 10 inch jakes going five miles an hour, uh, and nine inch grandmas, like stuff like that runs really good fast. Legend perch baits, legend perch baits are staple for fast, you know, I mean, not that they work good slow too, but I mean, I've caught a lot of fish on those in that four or five to five mile an hour. So that's a really good bait. That's a little bigger. What else do I run? Seven inch scubas I have. Uh, seven inch boss shad. So some of them are the same baits I run, you know, the five inch stuff, same maker, but they again, seem to just handle speed very well. I'm trying to think what else is in my box right now. Uh, seven inch. I'm trying to think. Yeah, that's, those are, I would say the main ones. I got a question, Kevin, sure. not, to, not to interrupt you, but, uh, round lip versus 
your lip. Have you have you noticed the difference between the two as far as your bites out there? Yeah, it seems like I would say for the shad baits, especially, I'll start with that. For the shad baits, like the flat sided, basically shad imitator, the round baits in the shad seem better like early, early in the season. Like I, I always start with them like early, like March, April, like with the exception of maybe the Bosch shad, because the Bosch shad has a round lip, but it's got such a steep angle that it really thumps a lot. Uh, but that's like the only real exception. But then it seems like the square bill, that doesn't really take off for me anyways till like later in June, July, you know. I kind of stick with the square lips uh, right through the summer. And then again, if, if back in the fall, if I'm slowing down again, then it seems like then the round lip comes around again, you know. But that's just for the shad baits. Uh, in the bigger stuff, like the seven, eight inch style, uh, like deep divers, those about all the ones i run to be honest are round lips you know and i don't know if just the size makes a difference at that speed i guess is what it is but with those all the bigger um deep divers i run most of them are round lips you know yeah they well are. that's that's pretty much the common theme with uh with those deep divers it seems like there's not a whole lot unless you can think of something that i can't right off the top of my head for deep divers there really isn't that many square lips no no, there really isn't. Not not that I can think of either, you know. Those little shad baits are like the one exception where you can get the baits down, but yet, you know, they got that square lip still, you know. Because the only other really thing I run with square lips really is like the minnow baits, you know. Yeah. And, and I know we run a lot less minnow baits out here than you guys do. I mean, I know that from fishing out there and fishing northwest Ontario in the fall and stuff like out there. Everything I'm running seems to be big minnow baits. and But it's a lot different here. About the only minnow bait bite that we have out here, a lot of it is, uh, like I said, that summer uh, open water, like slower troll, like night fishing stuff. And then again, some in the late fall. There, there's a, there's a pretty good minnow bite around Ohio and stuff in like November, December on the nine, 10 inch minnow baits. But those are the only two really good minnow bait bites I've had out here, you know? Sure. So do you spend the majority of your season trolling? I definitely spend more time trolling. I do. Uh, Cause like I, I, the only time I really cast I cast a decent amount at the like end of April. I'm trying to get like you try we try to get some pre-spawn casting in. Uh, so I do some casting like April and a little bit in March in southern Ohio, like right at ice out, there's a couple good like pre-spawn casting bites. So I'll do that and then I'll cast like my home lakes in April and a little bit into May, just till like when they're done spawning, there's another like good casting bite. And then right at about mid to third week of may i'm trolling you know that, that's that's about it for me and then i'm just i'm trolling now i still troll in the spring too i do a little bit of both but that that one time a year early season like that i do a fair amount of casting you know and then it usually goes away for me at least east uh, i don't really cast again around home until september so that whole end of may june july uh, August, that's all trolling for me out east. And then, like I said, I'll cast again in September. They draw the water down in a lot of our lakes, and then uh, that's a good, ca really good casting bite right in September there. That's that's at least Ohio, you know. In Chautauqua, I cast a little bit in June and July some. But I, I would say I'm probably 70-30 trolling versus casting, you know. 
if you don't if you exclude my trips, you know, because if I go to northeast or northwest Ontario, I pretty much cast the whole time there. And some of the other trips I go is a lot of casting, but excluding the trips, I bet I'm seventy thirty trolling for scat. Well, I've always said that I I think that if guys aren't utilizing all the different techniques to catch muskies, I think they're missing out on fish. For sure. Would I would imagine that if you obviously feel that way, if they're not use, utilizing trolling and casting, that there's definitely they're missing on opportunities. Yep, for sure. That is for sure. Because I know, like, see, one thing unique about where I'm at is it just so happens that where I live, uh, I'm right on the Ohio PA border. So I got a little lot of variety in, like, the lakes, but then I'm also not far from, like, the southern Ohio reservoirs. So I get to see a lot of that versatility. And, and from doing those uh, certain lakes, I know at some of those places, if I would do that and wouldn't adapt – there's days I wouldn't get anything because if you saw some of the places I'm casting in March and April, uh, I mean, I do plenty of short line trolling in the spring. I mean, I'm very used to that, but some of these places where I'm catching these fish casting early season like that, I couldn't possibly get the boat in to troll, you know, I couldn't. And, and those fish are just laying right up on the bank. So that makes it for unique bites with the no close season here. Um, and being like a put and take resource, so to speak, you know, even though all the guys here pretty much all release, that's why they don't have a close season. There's just not enough habitat, like natural spawning habitat for them to actually like survive. Like this, the spawning is not successful enough to sustain the fishery. You know, it's not enough to sustain the population. So they, they have to stock. Um, so because of that, yeah, it's neat. Cause I get to fish those lakes early like that. And, uh, yeah, you definitely want to be able to cast come early season and you'll see that real quick, you know? And then, like I said, I get to see some differences because then I go to the PA lakes and a lot of those are natural lakes and, uh, like glacier lakes and clear and deep. So it just happens to be where I live. I get to fish a lot of different techniques, you know, like you just have to adapt. So, so you mentioned uh, short line trolling. I'm, I'm curious, Kevin, can you kind of share with, uh, everybody, what you're talking about when you're talking about that. Are you talking, you know, say six foot of line, 10 foot of line, you know what I mean? What are you doing? And how many lines can you run when you're in Ohio? Yeah. So our, our short line trolling, uh, like our early season trolling, like when I'm not casting and doing the early season troll, uh, a lot of it's short line trolling. And for us, what we do, our basic spread in Ohio, and this isn't something to talk about too, because I, I've fished with guys, uh, and other other locations and they seem to i think we run a little longer rods out here on the norm it just seems uh most of our about all of our guys out this way always run at least 10 footers we run 10 foot rods on the side pretty common any boat you get in out east uh and then a lot of the like back rods or wash rods as we call them we run usually anywhere between six and a half to like an eight footer okay in the prop wash um and I think a lot of that's because, like, the smaller baits and stuff like that, the long rods, is, it's nice for your spread, first of all. And then those rods, we run, like, glass rods, and they get, like, a nice bend, and they load nice for those little shad baits. So if they hit short-line trolling, uh, you don't want the hooks to tear out, you know. So we're running a little softer drag, and uh, those long glass rods seem to really help with those uh, four and five inch shad baits with the smaller lighter wire hooks and and as far as the line links my short lining is a little different i know like we do some i do some like 10 foot of line stuff for sure 
But a lot of the shad baits that we're trolling in the spring, for, for me at least, uh, our short line is like from leader butted to about six feet is pretty common. Like it's not uncommon at all for me to just have, you know, a couple inches off of the ball. Like I could see the ball bearing a few inches from the tip of my 10 foot rod out the side. Uh, so we do that and then we're trolling in, you know, five feet of water and that's like early season pre-spawn. And then, you know, we'll run some stuff as far as like eight to 10 foot back, but not much further than 10 in that early season, like pre-spawn shallow water stuff. About the only bait I might send back further than that would be like some kind of little square bill round bait, like a Wiley or something, you know, that's not going to dive as deep. But yeah, our, our short line trolling is pretty unique here, you know. Like again, I think it's because of the pre-spawn cold water early season thing but it's pretty neat when you see one grab it and you could actually see them hit you know right that that's why i brought it up because i think uh i i know that that's what you guys do down there but i uh i don't know that our listeners do and uh it, it is unique and i've done it you know in kentucky with greg thomas it's pretty interesting it really truly is it is it's a it's one of my favorite times of year actually like i love that I love that early season short line, you know, and then once the weeds get up a little higher and then you're stepping out in that, you know, six, eight, nine kind of foot of water stuff running along the weed edge, like the new emergent weed edge. Then we're running a little more of that, you know, I'd say more common short line, which is like that eight to 15 foot stuff, you know, that early season thing is really neat when you're in the real shallow water. So no doubt. What kind of structure are you targeting for that early season stuff? Uh, we're just trolling like along basically uh, flats, any kind of, you know, mud flats, weed flats, and our, our vegetation. I mean, we're just looking for weeds. You know, you'll run down a whole, you'll run down a whole shoreline break and there'll be, you know, if you're not seeing weeds this year because that, whatever reason it was an odd spring and didn't get enough sunlight and uh, the weeds aren't there. A lot of times they'll be dead, you know, but then the next season you'll get out and run that same stretch and you see those weeds topping off, a, you know, a foot or two from the surface and that's when it's really good, you know. So we're just looking for weeds and a lot of times they're just right up on the flats, you know. Like it's, you, you're basically searching their spawning grounds, you know. You find those spawning bays and the flats where they're going up to spawn and it can be, you know, a gold mine at times. So let's, let's stay on the trolling topic mostly because I think some of the, you know, coming up on this fall, we've always, we talked about in the last podcast, Brad, about uh, touching on fall trolling tactics. So we might as well just hit everything fall and just make this a trolling episode since we have a you know really good guest that knows a lot about it. When you're, when you're running, you know, when you're trolling, just say anywhere, Kevin, do you typically run weight with your, you run inline weights or anything with your baits or are you just pretty much running the bait? For the most part, I'm just running the bait. The only place I really have ran the weights in line is like St. Clair, you know? I used to do a lot of those two-ounce, three-ounce weights and stuff, and even heavier with like trolling uh, bucktails and then like trolling the smaller jointed crankbaits like Wiley's and stuff like that, you know? Uh, but when we trolled the big blades and when we were trolling the jointed uh, Wiley's and stuff, that we'd always put put weight on you know but but that's really the only time because outside of that outside of like the saint Clair for me uh a lot of the thing that really helps out a troller like anybody that wants to get more into trolling uh this is just something that a lot of guys like know me for this uh, i'll get asked this a lot when i'm on the water if other people are out there 
people will ask me, hey, Kevin, you know, what does it take to get a fat boy Wiley 12 feet down? And I'll ask him, you know, 50 pound or 80. Uh, I'm running, you know, 80 pound power pro. I'm like, okay, well, you know, it'd be 62 feet or whatever. So I'll, I'll give them the depths, the line lengths. That's probably the biggest thing that I've done over the years. I'll go out and take new baits from the show and things like that. And I'll try. First, I'll go like fast. I'll do like what I call summer speeds, uh, mid fours and stuff and up. And I'll run those certain crankbaits. First, I'll do them on 50 pound braid. And I'll see what it takes to get them, you know, eight down and 10 down and 12 down and on, four, you know, on up all the way till they top out. And I'll, and I'll write them down or I'll save them on the notes on my phone, you know, the little note, the note app on my phone. And then I'll do 80 pound with the same bait. So I just keep two 10 foot rods, 150, 180 and check both. Uh, and then I'll do it on slow speeds, night trolling uh, kind of speeds and, and like and fall speeds, so to speak, like that slower three, you know, two, eight, three and up to about three, six. And uh, it's amazing. Some of those baits, when you try the slower speed, you can't even get them down on 80, but they'll get down on 50. You know, so I learned a lot doing that. Sometimes I'd spend a whole weekend not fishing and just checking baits. Well, a lot of those baits I learned and then I got used to, and then, you know, other baits are similar and you could see the dive curve and then you know where to put your stuff, you know, where you want your baits at. But that's probably the most important tool you can have. I mean, I know now they got that new pan optics and there's a trolling one. It's going to show where your baits at. And man, that shaves a lot of time for the guys, for guys like me that used to do that every, every year I'd go out and test depths. Um, but I know how much that's helped me over the years because if I'm seeing hooks 18 down and I want the little Ernie, a little, you know, five inch Ernie down there, I know if I put it out 80 feet on 50 pounds, I know I'm 18 foot down, you know? So like things like that have helped me a ton. There's no guessing, you know? And I even like, I'll check my lines with like a, like a Rapala line counter. I'll put it on the rod just to make sure my reels aren't off. Cause you know, if your reels are underspooled, it makes a big difference. I mean, even when they look pretty full, sometimes, you know, they're 10 feet off or 15 feet off, whatever. Not a big deal when you're running short lines, but you start running those longer lines, fishing suspended fish, and it makes a huge difference, you know? So it really helps to know where your stuff's at, you know? I wish I would have had that pan optics. I wouldn't have had to do all that over the years, but that's a big thing. So, I mean, I didn't mean to go off on that for a while, but it, it really is a huge tool for me. And, uh, I only brought that up because you were talking about the weights. Probably the reason I don't is because depending on where I see them, I just usually know what baits I got that I want in that zone, you know, just flatline. Yep. I would agree. So when you, to check all that stuff, was there a certain tool you used or did you literally just go find a reef or a whatever that tops out and you just bang the structure? How did you go about gathering that information? Yeah, that's what I do. So like I'd go out to my home Lake West branch uh, and they have like a lot, there's some like main lake humps. And you'll see where they top out, and I would just straight line over them. So if they topped out at 15, I know if I if, if the bait I was running and you know at that time happened to take like 70 feet or more to get 15 down, I'd make sure I just stay straight, you know, and, and then I'd wait till I thought it was about 70 foot, and I'd watch, and if it wouldn't hit, I'd spin right back around and go over it again and let out five or 10 more feet till I hit. And once I hit, I'd check one more time, clean it. And do it again just to make sure I was right there, you know. But that's what I always did. I usually just did it on main lake humps. 
because you know right away when it hits you know but that's that's a big thing for me is knowing the depths it really is that's huge well and that's the information sometimes i think guys go like oh trolling's cheating all you're doing is letting the boat do all the work but you know realistically like there's a lot that goes into it as far as you know being successful doing it yeah sure anybody could throw a crankbait crankbait out and catch one doing it but you could do the same thing if you go cast a bucktail over a weed bed you could catch a muskie too but to really be successful and be really consistent as a troller i'm really glad that you broke it down like you did because all that stuff is really important line links are really really important and the reason i asked about weights is because some guys run weights and then they they know their information off the weights i was never that way i was more like you i know i would know off you know just straight straight lines so if i started to drop weights in there it was always throwing me off so i never really got into you know using the weights but i got you know exposed to it on st Clair this year where they're they're all about weight so it's a whole different it's a whole different animal in fact it was it was eye-opening to just see how different the you know how different we are from what they are and i would say you probably troll more similar to what i do seeing as though you're not using a lot of weight yeah and a lot of times the weight thing you'll find 90 percent of the time the baits that they're using when there's weight on them they're the kind of baits that if you actually wanted them 10 down or more it'd be so much line it gets like counter effective you know in the bow and like when you're turning so a lot of it's that you know They'll be running these like high action or wild walking baits or like or inline like uh, inline bucktails, like big blades with a lot of lift, things like that. Well, then the weight makes perfect sense, you know, because now that's the way to get you right in the zone. But with not that much line out, you know, now you could put out like 50 feet with four ounces of weight on like say like like brad's like trolling girl you know you know you're right there right so so the weight helps a ton there they do catch that eel grass which helps a ton out on st Clair as well but for things like that i think that's what it's what it's the main reason the weight's so big there if you look at the style lures they're using they're usually like round lip kind of a, a wild angle so they have like a lot of walk baits that like really whip around or like wileys with that short square lip or again, like the big blades. So I think that's the main reason you see the weights used then. Because once you're using crankbaits that only take 40 feet of line to get 10 down, there's really no reason to put weight on them, you know? That's that's kind of my thought on that mm-hmm. from doing both, you know? Yep. Um, but, yeah, I know. It's, it's funny. I, I, I feel like I could talk. I know I could talk all about trolling all these different styles and ways but it's it is neat for me because i start in the spring running those little baits and going slower and then i'm cruising around and going real fast and then next thing you know i'm at georgian bay running big metal lip deep divers and crashing rocks so i guess i really have like i've got around a bit to a lot of different places that's that's really taught me a lot and and I've, i've used some of those things i've learned at a place like Georgian Bay and brought it to Chautauqua and caught fish. So it's neat to see it come full circle. But, you know, as far as like, I know I didn't really talk about the fall trolling here yet, but that was just, it's neat for me to see, like I said, the, all the differences from the places I've been and the different styles that you have to troll certain places to be effective, you know? Yeah. I mean, you certainly have gotten around and like I said, you've hit, hit up a lot of different bodies of water from Midwest to Canada to out East so it's like I said, that's I mean, it's good that you've mentioned all the stuff that you have. I think that we you've given guys a lot of information to to get them started in, into trolling if that's something that they want to pursue. 
And I, I mean, I personally recommend that every guy gives it at least a shot. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just, you know, something, if the conditions are miserable and they're just to make, you know, just try to make it easier on themselves that day to put one in the boat. Cause like I said, I'm, in my opinion, if you don't know how to use, if you don't, if you're not a proficient troller and caster, and even if you're, you're not proficient at live bait and jigging, there's certain times of the year where you're, you're definitely missing opportunities. That's for sure. That is for sure. You know, and as far as, as far as like uh, the fall trolling, cause I know we wanted to talk about that a little too, for like out East, at least to, to start that, I would say I'm talking anything where once the temp is like 55 and dropping, once it gets down in that range, uh, like our fall trolling starts around here and might as well talk about that now because hopefully this will be something that maybe if the guys want to try it for this season, uh, what I'll talk about now, they could, you know, hopefully try that for this fall and see if any of these things work for them, you know, would be neat to hear. But like there's basically we have a couple different things happen here. So first I'll say like for reservoirs, like trolling our fall res- our reservoirs in the fall, like in Ohio, since that's all we have is reservoirs, we have like two different bites i'd say i would say two main trolling bites that i do that have worked for me for the last you know 20 years so to speak one of them is we have like when in the fall when it gets i'll say cool but not really true cold like end of the season stuff uh but when it's dropping and the shad start piling up a lot of our lakes the fish seem to go up into like the creek channel creek arms so it's not where you think they would be at first. Like I remember when I first started in Ohio, I was doing a lot of stuff out deep. I'm like, oh, it's fall. The water's cold. You know, I got to go deep. Well, even though that works and that, that is a, that it can be a good bite. Uh, once I started going up into the creek channel and following the old creek channels and trolling in the creek arms, like say if your lake has a north and south fork of the lake, Headway up into the South Fork, you know, and you'll be trolling. Now, this is the time in the fall. We're slowing down, right? And I'll play around with some bigger baits. I'll still keep a shad bait or two out to keep them honest. But now is when we get some seven, eight inch stuff going in the deep divers. Uh, I'll throw a 10 inch, you know, nine, 10 inch minnow bait out there or like a headlock kind of thing. And those have been really good in Ohio uh, the last few falls. But that bite we're doing there you're up in that in the channel in the creek arms and we're trolling a lot of times close to bottom so we'll be in i'm gonna say nine to 15 feet of water and a lot of times you're setting your lures you know eight and ten down and stuff so they're coming right off the bottom you'll see them on your electronics right on the bottom and you know yeah you do get some snags and stuff but that has definitely been a pattern on fall reservoirs around Ohio for years now. Just trolling tight to the bottom. And then, of course, you know, with, with the two lines apiece, we'll also put one up high. And sometimes, you know, a certain day you'll be getting them suspended in those same areas. You know, the creek channels and up in the arm. You know, you might get them five down or six down in 15 feet of water. But that's one for sure bite. And then the other one that not as many people do. I think this is me talking about going to those other places got me thinking about this, actually. I'm used to fishing deep a lot of times. Like, I fish deep when I'm in, like, some of the natural lakes around my house. And then again at Chautauqua and some of my trips. So I've tried a little more of that 
in the recent years in fall, like in Ohio, I've actually put together a couple of nice bite, nice little, you know, bite windows there in like late November to about, you know, almost Christmas time, like from like in between like Thanksgiving and Christmas in that month there. I've had some nice bites when the water gets like, you know, it's in the 40s, mid 40s and stuff and, and dropping where I'm trolling bigger baits now and I'm trolling the deeper water. So I'll go out back into the main basin, kind of like as we would in the summer on our lakes. I find it's not as many. I don't see as much, you know, but I'll find big giant schools of shad, you know, like you find them when you're up in the arms and stuff, but you're snagging them a lot. A lot of them are little you know, couple inch shad, three, four inch, then you'll get some nice schools of big gizzards. But when you're trolling that shallow water, you're snagging a lot of them and you'll see the lines foul. And, you know, that's that kind of bite. But when I'm doing the deep thing that I've done more recent years, you'll just find these huge concentrations and I'll troll around the edges of those concentrations and once in a while go through it. But doing that, all of a sudden you might see a real big hook 16 or 18 down and i can remember i used to drive past that and be like ah you know what's the odds it's gonna grab my bait you know well with all that bait outside of it but once i started fishing the outside edges and uh spending a little more time and just like waiting for a window you know a minor a major you know moon moon underfoot something like that i'd stay on those marks and i'll work a pack of deep suspending hooks you know 15 to about 20 down over the uh, main lake basin like 25 to you know 38 foot of water kind of stuff 40 foot of water even and sometimes you know you'll go over them and you know, they'll move a little bit and you go over them a few times and next thing you know you know the reel goes and uh, and and then a lot of the ones i've got doing that they've been nice like they're real nice healthy i've got some nice like mid and high 40s in ohio but they're some of the nicest fish I've caught, you know, in those lakes around home as far as the frame on them. So it's like a different fish and it's a different bite that I didn't do for a lot of years, but definitely been having fun with that in the last few. And when I'm doing that, I am primarily running bigger baits. Now I'll put out like 10 inch deep divers and uh, like the big headlock stuff and, and some bigger minnow baits and uh, sending them back, you know, just mixing the spread up with the four rods. But that's been a new nice new bite for me in the last few years in ohio for sure definitely worth trying in reservoirs so a couple things do you you know when you're trolling do you have a preference wood versus plastic i know some guys are really partial on wood baits you talked about plastic tough shads but a bunch of the other stuff that you taught that you talked about specifically was wood do you find one being better than the other boy that's tough i you know, I, I always seem to like mix. I'm always running a little bit of both. But the only thing about wood that I would say that I notice that I like more is the fact that you could really get a gem sometimes. It's like not saying that doesn't happen in plastic and there's not different densities in plastic because I, I know there is. And some of those foam baits like like perch baits and stuff, I feel like I have some that just have a little more snap. But it's a lot more commonplace with the wood, you know, depending on where that wood came from, whether it's near the bark or, you know, it, like you just never know. And you might get a wood bait like that. And when you do, you could buy a dozen of them. But when you get that one that's really got that action, it just seems like, you know, it's hard to get that in plastic. 
But that being said, I, I do always run both. So I would say if I could only have one, I mean, yeah, I'd probably go with wood over. But that being said, man, I've caught so many fish on like Ernie's and plastic tough sheds and the big and the smaller size and, you know, the Jake's and grandma's. So that's hard for me. You know, it, it is a hard one. It is. And then one other thing we've never talked about on this podcast is jointed crankbaits versus straight straight crankbaits. Do you have a preference on those two? I know, again, a bunch of the baits you you mentioned, you know, the Bosch shads, the tough shads, the baker baits, those aren't, well, typically the baker baits aren't available in jointed, but the other ones specifically aren't. I know like the legend perch baits, you can get those in a perch bait and a perch bait jointed. Do you have a preference on those? Do you even run many jointed baits? I, I do. Um, I would say I definitely run more more straight baits, but I do run some jointed. For me, the jointed bait bite is basically there's a little bit early season for me when I'm trolling. Like I would say I like the jointed, like primarily round baits too, like the Wiley style more so. I don't run too many jointed like shad baits. I, I really don't. But I like the jointed uh, Wiley style when you're trolling over weeds. Whether it's early season and, I, and I'm not going as fast or it's summer and I'm going faster and the spawn's fully recovered and they're, they're roaring and ready to go. I, I still like jointed baits over like the shallow weeds. So like my ideal jointed bait situation would be 10 to 14 foot of water and the weeds are topping out at say five to seven feet that's like that's just screaming for me for a jointed bait you know i'll put those jointed baits out let them out you know 15 to 25 feet they stay up a little higher and i'll buzz over those weed tops that's probably the main jointed bait bite i have anymore uh i do run some like when i'm trolling over the flats and stuff i i do some but I'd say primarily for me, it's over the weeds. It, weeds and then shallow water. Like like if I'm on Chautauqua on the south end, that whole basin doesn't really get much deeper than 18 feet. So there I like putting them on boards. I also like like the jointed Wileys and stuff like that on boards. Uh, they don't pull as hard and I could put them out, you know, 50 feet and stay clear of my other lines. If I go to check a board, I don't have to worry about it tangling because it's out longer than my boat rods. That's a good good bite for me you know and, and i like that i do like joining baits then but that's really the main two times uh, after the spawn over the weed tops and in shallower basins uh on boards and occasionally on a boat rod but after that bite once that's over with usually like in the midsummer and that I'm not seeing too many jointed baits. I really don't, you know. One thing I love about trolling baits is it, like how much how much of a variety there is in them, you know, with crankbaits. There's obviously a lot of variety in casting baits too, but with trolling baits especially and like how regional they are. Mm-hmm. You know, you're talking Bosch shads. Bosch shads are typically I would say a more eastern bait. Yes. I know I know recently we got the the uh, Legend Perch baits. We got our first batch of those in. And I think I, every single one of them that I sold, we were sending out East Coast. Nobody in the Midwest even probably knows what they are or even uses them. And I, I find it funny because you can't tell me that muskies in the Midwest aren't going to bite aren't going to bite those baits. You know, it's just oh yeah. But it's really weird. I don't know if it's just they don't have the confidence in the baits, or they don't even know that those sp- specific baits exist. Because you know, with Brian, he's from he's from PA, and uh, Paul from Boschett, he's from PA, and Baker's from New York. And so typically, I don't know if that's why those 
you know, why they're more known there and more used there, or if they just, you know, or if guys around here have, have used them and haven't had success with them. It's just, I find it weird to be how, how regional things can be. Yeah. I think it's like two things too. I think part of it's like the, you know, some of it's the forage and then some of it, like you said, just like they're from here, the guys make them from here. So the guys out here use them and they see them at every show where maybe out your way, the shows like you're not going to see those guys and guys use other baits, but that whole Tulabi Cisco thing that you guys have, that's something we don't have at all. So, like, because of that, I know that's part of, like, because I fish them Tulabi, like, Cisco-type lakes, and uh, and I go up and fall, like, late fall troll northwest Ontario, like, in November, like, early November and stuff, and I'm running all that kind of baits. And I know that somehow correlates with, like, at least the Minnesota thing, with all the tulipy Cisco bite with the big giant minnow baits and the flat sided, like seems like if I would say to break it up, it's like you come East it's round deep diver shad bait, five to eight inch. I go out Minnesota way and it's mainly like at least 10 or bigger and they're long flat sided, you know, that's one difference I've seen firsthand, you know, when I fished them, but uh, I, I know like both of the two will work in each other place, you know, you know, they will. You just have to run. That's what I was just going to say. Yeah. I wonder if, I wonder if we shouldn't, you know, kind of flip flop our mindset a little bit and, Mm -hmm. um, we should be rolling some of the shad style baits in, you know, in the walleye perch population lakes. Yep. It's just to see what, you know, what kind of damage can be done on them. Cause I'm guilty of it too. If I'm on a lake in Northern Wisconsin, I'm never running a five inch tough shad. Almost never. Uh I'm always running something that's seven, eight, nine, 10 inches specifically i mean i like the matlocks and headlocks a lot too those have been really successful mm-hmm. but that's one of those baits that yes it started out regional in the midwest but it's definitely pushed east now too you know the, i know the st Clair guys are definitely catching on to headlocks and matlocks too i got to see that firsthand when i was out there this summer now now do you guys like this is a question i have like when you're fishing like fall fishing out like say i'll say like wisconsin uh, I'll ask about that first. Like when you're fishing Wisconsin in the fall, do you guys do any like deep water trolling? Typically when I first started out, I didn't do a lot of deep water trolling cause I was trolling on green Bay. You've probably been there. I would imagine. Haven't you? Yep, I have. And you know, green Bay is there's really not much for deep water there. Even, even if you go into the, the river channel and the river where it's deep water, it seemed like we always did better still running our baits up high. Uh-huh. Now, when I go to Northern Wisconsin though, in the fall, I'll definitely run deep water out there. Mm-hmm. And then again, I'm, I'm more running the, the matlocks or I'll run in the slammer deep divers. I've, I've ran the legend perch baits because I was always, when I, I was always looking for something that was kind of outside the box. That's how I ran across a lot of these. And that's why I'm familiar with, uh-huh. you know, a brand like Wiley, but you, nobody around here really runs a Wiley. If I talk to anybody, I fit, you know, that is trolling, there's not many guys running them. So I was always having success with those kind of baits because I was always looking for, something different that guys around here weren't using Mm -hmm. but yeah we you know we definitely do that deep deeper water stuff you know more it's it's later though for me like late for me is october november late october and november that's late for me because for us you know we're looking at ice up in i mean sometimes we can be looking at ice in about a month you know kind of last the last couple years we iced up early most of our season was done by the first week in november Okay. Well, that, that, um, like what, so water temp wise, like when you're saying like you're late fishing, you in that like 42 and dropping then like it's 42 and on the drop, right? It's dropping down. Yep. 
Okay. Well, this is something I just, I know I talked about like the reservoirs and I gave like a couple different little patterns to try for the fall that's worked for me. But again, with me being on the border, I'm going to talk about one other thing quick. Uh, that's something that like you could try. And I would say for sure, Wisconsin, like I fished a few lakes in Wisconsin and I really liked it there as I, I fished Minnesota and really liked it there. Of course, I just wish I could get to both more often, but I noticed Wisconsin to me fished more like some of the lakes that I fish in Pennsylvania. There were like smaller natural lakes that uh like i fish quite there's quite a few i fish in pa like for a while there i had a i used to have a truck camper and i used to go every weekend friday i'd drive to one i'd sleep in my truck in the ramp and wake up if it was good i'd fish there saturday if not i'd drive to the next one because there's all kinds of lakes in pa but they reminded me of wisconsin they were natural clear lakes because most of our reservoirs in ohio are fairly stained so it was nice for me, change of scenery, change of pace. But again, something that you could maybe try out your way. Those lakes were deep. Uh, some of the natural lakes I fished in Pennsylvania were deep lakes and either little stain or pretty clear. But I would fish those in that same thing, like late November, December, uh, when that water temp, 43, 2 degrees and dropping, seemed to be like kind of that magic zone when it would really like come together. Uh, but it was so much different than my fish in, say, in Ohio, because out there, there was no shad uh, fishing those natural lakes. Now, my forage is bullhead, sucker, uh, walleye, you know, like this, you know, I know they eat some walleye, but mainly it was like sucker, perch, smallmouth, you know, like I said, bullhead and occasional walleye. But that's what was in those lakes, right? So, so now I don't have that shad basing and you're not chasing the big schools of shad. Well, I found a neat bite on those, those type of lakes. It would be interesting to see if it work out your way. Come that time of year, I am trolling slower, but still not slow. I would say, uh, I have caught some slow, but I'm more or less keeping a good clip cause I'm running longer lines. Uh, I'm running like three, eight ish to about four, two. Um, even though it's cold like that, but in the clear water especially, I feel like the clearer it is, the more you don't have to be so speed sensitive, right? Like I, in other words, when it's clear, even though it was cold, they had no problem grabbing a bait going four two. You know, I've caught them going four two when the my GoPro was freezing up and the, I zoom in on my screen, it was thirty four point five degrees, right? And they still hit. But the bite I was going to talk about is trolling in those natural lakes i found a bite on like uh they say the lake was two different basins like had a northern and southern basin i would troll like around the perimeter of that deep water and uh if there was any kind of main lake humps i'd hit those two but i would run an assortment of you know i'd mix up four baits i'd throw a few like you said legend perch baits out because i mean I, you could get legend perch baits 35 feet down you know so this water, I'll, I'll give you an example. Like the water here I'll, I'll be talking about is uh, I'm in anywhere between 28 to like 52 foot of water going in and out. I'll go out into the middle in that 50s and go back up on the edge in like 28. Because once you get past that, you, know, you get into trouble. This this particular lake comes up pretty quick. Well, I'll be trolling along those edges and hitting some of those main lake humps. And I'll put a perch bait down you know, 21, 22 foot or whatever, I'll throw a big deep diver like a like a 10-inch hooker or a marge bait or something like that, which is a big periwinkle style uh, round lip. I'll put that down 30 feet, 
32 feet. And I know a lot of people aren't real accustomed to doing that, but I'll put that down in that 32 foot zone. And if I'm seeing hooks, big hooks down there, sometimes even 38 foot down there, I'll throw a, another big bait, like a periwinkle down 38 feet, uh, in the, like on the back rod, like in the wash. So if it starts coming up, at least I have a little bit of, you know, cushion there before it gets to my back rod. And on the other side, Rod, I'll put one down maybe 17 feet or 18 feet, you know, and that's my spread. And I'll buzz around at that nice clip, three, eight, four, two, working those hooks. And, uh, man, we've caught some beautiful fish in like November and December and, and on those natural lakes down deep, you know, a lot of them, at least 20 down, but 20 to like 30. And occasionally like there's been certain trips where the only rod that goes is the one that's 38 down, you know, and I've had no problems releasing those fish or anything like that. And I've dropped that Klein finder down to check the temp. And I think it's because it primarily holds that temp all the way through the column, you know, it'll change a little bit. Uh, but nothing crazy, you know. That's a that's a neat bite, totally different than what we do in Ohio. And be interesting to see because I always thought that kind of bite would work out your way. I did because it's the lakes remind me of each other. Same type of forage. I don't know if you got those kind of depths, but if you do and you go out and spend some time and just watch your electronics and find some hooks, then you just got to learn those line lengths to know what it takes to get those baits down in that 20s to 30s zone you know and once you do it it's really fun to catch fish 32 foot down or whatever and you know exactly where you're at you know i wouldn't say that we have a ton of them that would be hitting the 50 range but there's still a bunch of them up there i mean with northern wisconsin you know it is we have a variety of lakes from different sizes to you know like 500 acres or even less to 1500 acres and some of them are shallow and some of them are dark and i'm sure that we can i'm sure i can definitely find stuff like that i know of a couple in particular that but yeah i definitely should try that because for me that's one thing i'm not so good at in the fall is deep running deep you know like for me i'm always i'm always too worried about airing on the high side which i think can work out in a lot of in a lot of cases but there's certain times where those fish you know it is they're just not going to move that far in the water column to get that bait that's right and, and sometimes they're actually laying right on the deck and i can tell because when we catch them they have like little grayish looking spots on their belly like they're just laying in that mud you know i know they must be getting warmth off it or whatever but especially when it gets real cold i've i've learned that sometimes where i'll see them and you could see by the marks on their belly and i know they're the ones you see them on the graph, they're laying on the deck and I'll let out line till I bump. And then as soon as I bump, I'll pull up a little bit and man, that's paid off for me like countless times, you know? So that's a cool bite. And I mean, if, if, if you're not in thirties to fifties, you could do the same thing in a natural lake. That's more of a basin of like twenties to thirties. And then you're just going like 15 to about 25 down, right? Same principle, but just less water. But cause I do that in some of the PA lakes too, that don't have as much depth, but it'd be cool to see if that works. You know, that's really the only other ball bite I do. Yeah. In those instances, you're still running, you're talking the three, eight to four for, you know, your speed and that's what you're still running. Yeah. I like to go like three, eight, four ish. If I'm running like longer lines and I just feel like it makes the whole operation work so much smoother. I, I tend to turn the boat a lot when I drive, like people, like I get teased about that a little bit, but it's just a thing of mine from watching old GoPro videos. When I used to make videos like trolling videos. I couldn't tell you how many times I watched that reel go 
and I could tell, I could see the prop wash change, you know, on the camera. Well, once I started seeing that on my videos, man, I became addicted to it, you know, and now like I do, I turn a lot, but if you're turning and you're running like in that 80 to hundred foot zone and you got big, deep divers out there and perch baits and like periwinkle march kind of baits, boy, when you're going slow, it just feels like there's more, I don't know why it seems like more chance of error or something go wrong. Like when you're driving with a little more of a clip, it just keeps the whole thing run cleaner, smoother, less tangle. I, I don't know. That's how I feel. You get any kind of wind. It's not a sloppy presentation. You know, like I do some slow trolling. I, I do. But um, when I'm trolling slow and you're trying to run long lines and it's windy, you know, you can get hemmed up in a hurry. Next thing you know, the back line catches the side rod. You know, I think that's the main reason that, you know. Especially with the multiple lines. You know, I go to Canada or, or somewhere where it's one line of person. Hey, you know, I'll put it out there. and I'll slow right on down. and I don't have to worry about it, you know. Like I said, I, I mean, I talk a lot about speed, but I've caught some of my biggest muskies I ever caught slow. I, I have, you know. I've caught some of my biggest fish at like 2.7 and stuff late season. But then I've also caught some big ones at 5, you know. So, I do a little bit of both, but I just, I find when you're trying to do that down towards the bottom program in the natural lakes, it'll just help you stay more efficient running just a little faster, you know, and you'll see when you're doing it, what I mean by it just keeps your spread cleaner, you're covering water more effectively, and especially if it's clear. The only time I would say you, it'd be harder to go that fast is if the water is kind of dirty stain, you know, in the fall. That's tough. Sure. If it's real stain, then I'd probably be going more in that like 3-5 zone, 3-2 to 3-5. But anything under that with any kind of wind and you're trying to run 70 to 100 feet of line, you lose control, you know. So let's quick hit on one more topic before we uh, start to wrap things up because we're getting to be about that level. Um, certainly, we, certainly, we'd love to have you back if you'd ever want to come back. Oh, for sure. Let's t since you mentioned Canada and the one line there in, you know, like I said, the majority of our listeners are coming out of the Midwest. We're talking Minnesota, Illinois, and Wisconsin. That's where the majority come from. So a lot of these guys are still, you know, if you're in Wisconsin and you're Northern Wisconsin, you can only run one line per person. If you're in Minnesota, you can only run one line per person. What would be like, do you ever go out trolling and it's just you in the boat in Canada with one line? Yep. Yep. So what's your program? Because one of the toughest things for even me personally and a lot of guys would probably be to dial a pattern in on then. Mm -hmm. Do you have any tips you can give guys if they're only running one line, you know, to dial as far as like for the day? How long are you staying? How long are you staying at, you know, let's just say 10 feet down and then before you make a change to 15 feet down or 20 feet down and before you make a change on speed? Because, you know, depth and speed are really the two biggest factors when it comes to trolling. Yes. How soon How soon before you make a change on those two? Uh, I would say, like my buddy Mike Money used to always say, you know, trust trust your electronics. Well, that would be a lot for like when I go out one rod by myself, um, you know, I'll go out and I'll start with, I'd say if, you're, if they're used to trolling the water, I'll start with an area that they know or you're, they're pretty comfortable in. And then with that, you know, once you get the general area where you're going to troll, I would start at a what I'd call like a safe zone. So if you're in that, you know, 20s kind of water, I'd probably put my bait down. I like to be at least half the column. So like I'd say 10 to 12 possibly and troll around and then just pay close attention to your electronics. And if you're seeing hooks in that 14, 15 zone, then your 10 to 12 bait down is good. And then you just got to, you know, give them multiple passes 
you know, over the same hooks, especially if there's bait there. You know, sometimes it takes quite a few different spins over them for them to go, or it might take a window. You know, like a lot of my time is scouting with my eyes, watching the graph. And once I find an area where I'm seeing a concentration of hooks, especially if it's one, I only got one line. If I got hooks that are sitting, if they're deeper, if they're 18 down, and that's where I'm seeing what I think are for sure like musky size hooks, I'll put my bait 15, 16 down, you know? So I drive long enough, start safe, and once I see that if they're in my zone or touch deeper or shallower, I'll make that adjustment and find that area where I got a concentration of some hooks and bait. And once I have that, I'll stay on that through at least a window. So at least a minor, because to go through it in a non-prime window doesn't mean much. So I just, I'm driving that. Like if I see a windows at noon, I want to be out at least by eight or nine to find that zone where they're at. And especially with the one line thing, it's harder. So I find what I feel like I'm going to be confident in and, and then hope to hit that in that window. Once I go through the window, if I don't get them at that depth, you know, I'll definitely be playing with some speed, you know. If I'm going my normal speed and I'm halfway through the window, I, I might I might slower down uh, if the weather seems real cold and nasty, or if it's a pretty nice fall day, I might speed it up. You know, I might go from three five to four two or four five. You know, so that's kind of usually how I judge what I'm going to do as far as changing. But you can't change too much. You know, sometimes I get that, and then those days seem I seem to struggle. I just try to pick something I'm confident in, drive some time to find that zone, and then make little adjustments once I'm in what I feel is the hottest zone uh, based off of the window or a color change or something. But that's pretty much what I do, you know? So. Well, I think you gave a, got a lot of guys a lot of great information to get them started either on fall trolling or just trolling in general. Say, Brad, are you still awake? Man, I'll tell you what. I just had a mouthful of pizza. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't have a whole lot of a lot of time to talk there. I think Kevin's been awesome, and um, I think one of the biggest things that uh, most of the listeners can take from this whole podcast is if you listen to Kevin's details, he is detailed, and um, he's paying attention to things that I think a lot of get about, and that's uh, the meat and potatoes, but right down to the nitty gritty as well. He is a detail-oriented person. It's definitely putting more fish in his boat. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I mean, I I even learned quite a bit here just talking to him about trolling. And, I mean, I don't consider myself to be an expert troller by any means, but I definitely am proficient in it. But certainly got me thinking about a, different ways to approach even, you know, late fall, whether it be mid-October through November, that kind of stuff. Like I said, hopefully these guys, if you're not a troller, I'm, I can't imagine he didn't give you enough information to get you well started i believe uh, you know he, he got you well on your way well good i hope i, I tried all i could i know I can, I can tend to as brad knows i can talk a lot of times i know that's how i am but I, I hope i covered enough and i i try to give enough at least uh some general like you said and some a little more advanced stuff but oh i'm sure if you guys ever want or if i if i get a chance to come on some some other time i'd be more than happy to do it again and talk about any topic you guys want you know are you, are you free tomorrow, Kevin? <laughs> Maybe after fishing. <laughs> I'll tell you, after talking like this, I think I'm going to go out tomorrow and put those baits down deep and uh, try that again. You know, it's been a little little while. The water's a little warm for me for that, but I get excited telling you guys about that because uh, 
that's one of the coolest ways to catch them uh, as a troller. When you know where your bait's at and you're seeing those marks, those are marks most people just drive over and like, yeah, it's probably a catfish. Well, a lot of those aren't catfish, you know? So that's a really cool tactic. And once you know what you're doing to get your baits in that zone, you know exactly what it takes to get them down there. When you catch them that way, it's very satisfying. You know, it's a like real feeling of accomplishment to do that, you know, because a lot of people don't troll that style, you know? Well, there's, um, there's guys out there that are doing what you're doing, Kevin, but uh, I'd like to say the best. And we really appreciate you coming on, man, for sure. Yes, no, thank you guys so much for having me. So, Brad, do you want a quick wrap-up for Muskie Mayhem Tackle? For sure. You know, if anybody's looking for our products, um, it's really easy. You go to muskymayhemtackle.com. Look on Facebook as well as Instagram. And we'd love to hear from you. To see some pictures. If you guys have caught fish on our product this summer, send them out to us. We'd love to see them. And for Backlash Podcast, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. Those are pretty much the big ones. There's a couple other ones out there. If you have questions or guests that you want us to get in touch with, reach us at backlashpodcast at gmail.com. You could also message us on Instagram and Facebook. We have both of those. So check those out, like our Facebook page and like our Instagram page if you want. Um, the company I'm in charge of is Team Rhino Outdoors. We are a retailer in the musky world. We sell lots of the baits that we already talked about this evening. Shameless plug, we just got a big batch of Legend Perch baits in. So if you're looking to go do some trolling and you're trying something in the Midwest that not everybody's got, check those out. You can find our website at teamrhinooutdoors.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook. Once in a while I tweet, not real often. We put out new content on YouTube every Sunday during the you know during our fishing season. So it'd be basically June through December. You can uh, check out our YouTube channel, subscribe to it, help us out. I think that's it for us. Kevin, once again, we just want to thank you for taking some time to come out. Really appreciate it. You gave guys a really good insight to trolling and a lot of great information. Thanks for coming out. Hopefully we can have you again sometime. Yeah, no, you guys are welcome. I'm really glad you guys had me on. I enjoyed talking to you guys for sure. Love to do it again sometime. Thanks a lot, Kev. We'll talk to you. Have a good night.